Welcome to Ulcerative Colitis Autoimmune Healing Journey. I am your journey guide, Jay India, and I'm so happy that you are here because this is a supportive, positive environment where we can heal together. Please note, I am not a doctor or health professional in any way. If you would like to attempt something mentioned in this episode, please consult your doctor or mental health professional first. Oh, we have a review to read, which I am so excited when I receive a five-star review. So this is five stars from Apple Podcasts, wonderful podcast by Seashell55. I think I know who it is. So glad I found Jay's podcast, love the topics, guests, and of course, Jay's humor, real transparency and support. Thank you so much. Short and sweet and definitely took under a minute and I really appreciate it. My UC Warriors, I love all the ratings and reviews you've been posting on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other listening platforms. Please keep them coming. Today, we are discussing the GAPS diet and is Alio safe for IBD? I'm doing several updates before we get into today's subject. Okay, so I remember a few episodes ago, I gave you a content list of the upcoming episodes And for now, I'm dropping ozone therapy because not in a negative way, but just no one's written back to me. So I don't know if that's a sign of just no one can, um, you know, give me guidance on this or it's just not that exciting or it really hasn't helped. So again, if that's something you have had done, rectal ozone therapy, please let me know. I know it's something they do recommend in Crohn's colitis lifestyle, but I just don't know anyone who's done it or can give me some guidance because when you look these things up, like I did with peptide therapy, it's more focused on the aesthetic. It's more focused on, I got this for beauty or I got this for this. So I just want to leave that subject for a while until I find better information. The good news is I have found an IBD German new medicine expert. She's coming on. She's a listener. She's awesome. So I can't wait for her to come on. I had a listener ask me to discuss eating disorders and you see in that connection. So I will be doing that. And she also wanted me to discuss more of the emotional trauma, which is definitely going to be coming up with the German new medicine. And then I visited the trauma energy healer yesterday. So probably in May, you're going to hear about my visit because she gave me some mind-blowing advice on UC, And uh, but this is SIRS month, so I can't fit it in now, but uh, next month I will. And I have a request if anyone listening wants to share your story about having a permanent colostomy bag or you follow an account or know someone who does and perhaps would be willing to share their story, please let me know. I have so many questions, especially if they're single, about dating and sex and bag maintenance. I just, I'd love to know. I have this fascination with anything artificial outside of the body. Does that make sense? No, that doesn't really make sense. Well, anything that's not inside your body. So if you have a steel rod in your spine. I mean, I still think you're cool, but (laughs) I'm really into artificial limbs and glass eyes and things like that. So that's why I'm kind of fascinated by the colostomy bag. So please, if anyone can steer me in that direction, I would love to have someone on and to also remove the stigma and to realize if people need to go that way, then that's an okay way to go and you're going to be fine. I also wanted to put a call out for if anyone 
had a a flare that was as terrible as mine, a life-threatening flare, and their hips have suffered. I'm saying H-I-P-S because my hips still haven't recovered after my life-threatening flare in 2021. And I'm just curious if anyone else is like this. However, my hips were always tight before the flare. I didn't have hip problems, but they were always tight. And when I would try to do pigeon pose in yoga, that's an impossible pose for me. Things like that, I have a lot of problems with my hips. So I'm kind of wondering because some of you guys are yoga experts and all of these things that is it I'm having problems with my hips now and they're sore after I exercise because of the flare or is it because the flare actually helped open my hips up? Because remember with the sexual abuse, that makes sense that my hips were tight, right? And now that I'm healing my hips, maybe they're opening up. So that comes in the form of a bit of pain. So I was just curious if anyone had their two cents on that. Um, And okay, so that's it. All right. So I want to discuss allulose. It's spelled A-L-L-U-L-O-S-E. According to the Cleveland Clinic, allulose is a naturally occurring sugar found in figs, raisins, wheat, maple syrup, and molasses. It's thought of as a low-calorie sweetener. I tested a product with allulose because there's not much information online. In fact, if you really look it up, it's approved by the FDA, but then in Europe, it's seen as a novelty food, I think in Canada as well. So you don't get a lot of information on it, I think, because it's so new. I contacted one of my amazing listeners who is also a health and fitness coach, and he informed me that allulose is less bad than other sweeteners because it's not fermented in the gut. However, it is produced commercially from corn. Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) (laughs) That stopped me right there because of the Ayurvedic heating effect of corn on the colon, which is not good. Remember, Joanne Pavin came on and she talked about how if you're in a flare and you're using a heating pad, that's pretty much the worst thing you can do, adding heat to heat. And that most corn in the U.S. is genetically modified, which this listener told me, but I already knew. So it's just, uh. and why would I even be looking at allulose and trying it out. Um, It was for, can't really get into it, but let's just say I was testing a product. And also when I looked it up, apparently it's used in the keto diet a lot. So I thought, oh, okay, maybe this is okay. So I just want to thank you so much to Anthony Padilla, who is the listener who bestowed this knowledge. Anthony is a human performance coach, much like a Ben Greenfield. He always has interesting things on his IG. So follow him at Anthony4Fit. And that is the number four. And I will put that in the show notes. I did have a negative reaction to allulose. My traverse colon and face felt hot, much like the reaction I have had to corn. My tongue swelled and I was going number two a lot more with a tiny bit of blood. However, I just had my period, so it may have been that. (laughs) So who knows? Uh, Be careful if you venture into the world of allulose. 
back to SIRS because this is SIRS month. For those of you who have not listened to the past two episodes, you really need to. They are game changers. SIRS is a gene that does not allow us to drain the toxins out of our body. They are now thinking, the SIRS experts, that 25% or more of the population has this gene and that this gene causes almost all autoimmune and it's just where the toxins settle in the body that is where you have the autoimmune. So our toxins are settling in the colon. If you have Crohn's, it's settling in the whole digestive tract. If you have something called, uh, my friend has it, I had never heard of it, it's called uvitis, that is an autoimmune disease of the eye. So her toxins settle in the eye. So you see what I'm saying? So definitely explore those two episodes, listen, they're phenomenal. Um, It was, okay, okay, wait a minute, hold on. I'm just saying my own episode, solo episode was phenomenal. I didn't mean it that way. (laughs) I'm just saying the subject matter of my solo episode is mind-blowing and phenomenal. Not saying I'm phenomenal. So I want to clarify that. But that second episode is phenomenal with Shelly Apodaca K. She her story is just incredible and her SIRS journey is incredible. And you can learn so much from her. So please listen to those two episodes. I believe there's a good chance I have SIRS. And I'm noticing some symptoms that now make sense with SIRS. Instead of examining diet solely, I used to be the person before having this information of, oh my God, what I eat, what I eat, what I eat, right? Always running to that. What do we eat? I will get what I call electric shocks in the back of my head. And I used to think it was because of food, but I'm eating a pretty clean diet nowadays, except for the allulose, (laughs) except for that. But... And that's pretty much passed through my system, so I'm okay. But except for that, I'm eating really well. So I noticed that when I go into spaces, I believe where they have biotoxins, that's when I get the electric shocks. Or when I'm exposed to biotoxins, which mostly is mold, then I will get the electric shocks. And in SIRS, they talk about how people get the electric shocks in their body when they're exposed to the biotoxins. So for me, it's in my head, but for you, it could be somewhere else in the body. I visited a store recently where I went into the dressing room and I felt the shocks in my head. And when I left, they immediately went away. This little shop, it's very cute. And in the back, you pull the curtain to undress and try and close and everything. And right outside of it is a pedicurist who has her little business back there. And there's always a client with a foot spa. And that means that there's water and moisture coming up from that. And I think there's mold somewhere in that back area. So that's why I have that biotoxin response. I also noticed that one of my dogs just gets really dirty and dusty. He doesn't shed that much. I have three dogs. One of my dogs sheds a lot, so he's constantly shedding things, and that's good. My other dog is what they call a hypoallergenic dog, so she's fine. But this third dog, I don't know what it is about his fur, but just dirt and dust stick to him. And remember that mold is embedded in dust. So I get the shocks in my head if he's too dirty. Usually what happens is too is 
he comes up next to me and he wants to sit by me. And then I feel the shocks. And then I say, oh, he has too much mold on him or dust or whatever you want to say. I wash him. All good. If I go outside on a wet, dewy day, especially in the morning and especially in spring, I get the shocks and then I check the pollen count and it's either low or non-existent. So I am almost positive it's a mold issue. So just start to notice if you get these shocks anywhere in your body or you have a strange response in certain places, I think that's what it is. Once I learned about SIRS, I stay away from foods with high amounts of mold, such as commercial coffee. Okay, let me talk about coffee. I don't drink coffee, never had a good reaction to it, wish I could drink it, love the taste, love the smell. I always say if I could drink it, I would have a coffee IV running through me at all times, but that's just not my life. You have to realize that with commercial coffee, it's extremely moldy. The way they process commercial coffee, it's not the best. So if you're going to go out and buy coffee, if you're just a coffee addict and you have to and you're on the road, Starbucks is known as the least moldy coffee. So just keep in mind when you're doing those commercial brands, lots of mold. Be very careful of that. Um, I would recommend if you're someone who just has to have coffee, which I totally understand, I totally get that, buy a nice coffee cappuccino machine and treat yourself to really beautiful, high-end, organic uh, coffee that you know is made in the right way. Okay, other foods I avoid. Alcohol, oh God, that kills me. Unfortunately, I learned my lesson in March with red wine. (laughs) Sucks. Dried fruits, I have never had a good reaction to dried fruits ever, so maybe it's a mold. Grains, corn, processed meats and foods, obviously, Moldy cheese like blue cheese and Roquefort, condiments, mushrooms, peanuts, and other nuts. Let me backtrack on the grain thing. So we have a cattle farm in Hudson Valley of New York. If you'd like to look it up right now on Instagram, you can just look me up at, what is that handle? The Vintage Farm NY, NY like New York. So you can look me up, you can see me there. We have grain-fed cows, and I really want to talk about this whole process of raising cattle and processing them on an episode because there's a lot of misinformation, and there's a lot of misinformation about that cows absolutely have to be grass-fed. You can only eat grass-fed beef. I will disagree with that because I'm a good example of that. First of all, where we get our grain, we know where we get it. We're allowed to create the grain ingredients ourselves. We have a whole ingredients list. Our grain is always made fresh. It's not sitting around in a warehouse. They make it specially for us. When my husband gets it, maybe the bags are sitting a month, if that, Uh, as we go as a cows eat the grain. So it's not sitting around a warehouse for a long period of time. So it doesn't really get moldy or anything like that. Our grain is very pure. And when I eat our meat, I have absolutely no issues. And grain actually, despite what people say, grain does help with a cow's digestion. So we believe in that as well. I mean, I'm going to go into this in another episode. I can go on and on. But when you go to the grocery store, I love grass-fed hamburger. I think it's done very well, really good. 
but you need the marbleization or the fat for a really good prime rib, a really good ribeye, you know, those porterhouse, those types of steaks. So what I see is when I go to the grocery store, anything that's a grass-fed steak that's supposed to have marbleization just sits there. Meanwhile, the grain-fed ones are all snatched up. So I do believe in grain-fed cows. I am the one who feeds my cows Maybe not every day, it's mostly my husband, but I feed them a lot and they do fine on it. No one's being tortured. It's not inhumane. They love it. When you feed them the grain, it smells like molasses. It smells like candy to them and they really enjoy it. It's a big treat. So I don't see a lot of negativity, but again, we handle things very humanely. We know where our grain comes from. We are the ones who choose the ingredients for the grain. It is fresh. We are very happy with the producers of uh, the people who make the grain. Uh, My husband knows them personally, so I can go on and on and on. I will do it in another episode. So I just want to say that. And then now I forgot my place I talked about. Okay. And then there's certain cheeses on the GAPS diet, as I will discuss, that I can eat. So I will discuss that when we get there. Also, I think about how I ate as a child. I always ate very simply, and I truly think that was intuitive. I never liked the big meals with the four choices. You know, you start with a salad, and then you have your meat, and you have your potatoes, and you have your more vegetables, and you have your your bread. I've never been into that. I've never been into buffets. I don't like Thanksgiving dinner, really. I've always been the person who just, I will sit down and just have a baked potato, and that's it. Last night I had artichokes and that's all I had was artichokes. So I'm not really into mixing a lot of things. If I have a piece of salmon, I just have a piece of salmon. Now people may disagree with me and I, listen, you do what's best for you. We're all different. But I think there is something with this disease, eating simply. And if you think back to your childhood, you may have been like me, one of these people and just, you know, go with your intuition. Let's move on to the GAPS diet, which has been great for me. According to GAPSdiet.com, gut and psychology syndrome is a condition establishing a connection between the functions of the digestive system and the brain. Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, MD, neurologist and nutritionist, coined the term GAPS in 2004. GAPS includes chronic physical conditions that stem from an unhealthy gut, such as autoimmune disease and IBD. I would say I 90% stick or do the GAPS diet, it would be a really boring episode (laughs) if I just sat here and listed all the food allowed, but you need to just visit gapsdiet.com. I will put it in the show notes. But what I like about this diet is it includes a lot of food and it's easier. It's an easier lifestyle to maintain in my humble opinion. You will see that there are stages of the diet or you can just dive in. Of course, I just dove right in. And uh, listen, you know, always consult your doctor so you don't sue my ass. But (laughs) a lot of us can just dive in because we've already done the introductory GAPS diet because that's steamed vegetables and fresh juices and blah, 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 and cleansing. And a lot of us are already so cleansed that, you know, we just need to move in full blast. So you'll see the stages introduced introductory GAPS diet, and then you'll see full GAPS diet. I do the full GAPS diet. As you can guess, there's a lot of fresh fruit, vegetables, and meat. I mean, that's obvious. Also, I like that it includes 
avocado oil, artichokes, fresh juices, and then it includes these cheeses, brie, camembert, and Swiss. And I don't have a problem with any of those cheeses. I don't get a reaction. I don't eat, I don't overeat on them, but I have a little bit of them. You can also eat citric acid, coconut, and tomato, among many other foods. I do go off the diet daily. This is why I say I only do the diet maybe 90%. And I do eat potatoes. And I do eat my keto chocolate cups. Now, (laughs) I have a good reaction with potatoes that I've noticed. I tried to go off of them for a week and I was miserable. I hardly eat any other carbohydrates. So just taking that away, it was really hard for me. I am constantly moving around. I exercise. I own a farm. So I'm walking on the farm all the time. We have a really hilly property. So I get tons of exercise and I needed some carbs and they work really well for me. And I love my keto chocolate cups because that helps me from binging on chocolate and Hey, if it works for you, it works for you. Mine are the one I eat with hazelnut butter and it just works for me. Also on the gaps list, it does include the moldy cheeses of blue cheese and Roquefort. So be careful if you think you have SIRS. If you're looking for a more inclusive way of living with IBD and possibly SIRS, take a look at the gaps diet. And what I do is I Googled foods that have high amounts of mold. You can just Google it and look at a bunch of articles and see what comes up. But that list I gave you is pretty much from a bunch of articles. And you can avoid them if you feel that's right for you. And then it's kind of this combination of avoiding moldy foods, which again, some are on that gaps list. So you're going to have to be extra careful in gaps. And that's what's working really well for me lately. Oh, and our listener, Nunzia Sorrentino has a beautiful Instagram dedicated to the GAPS diet and GAPS diet cooking. And the food just looks so good and inspirational. And she keeps it simple. You can follow Nunzia at healing underscore my underscore gut underscore with underscore SCD. And there are two accounts with this name, which is crazy, but her description is healing from ulcerative colitis. You'll see that right there. And I will put her Instagram in the show notes. In my household, when we have a perfect shit, you know, when it slides out of your body, it's a perfect color and solidly formed. And you're so proud of yourself that you turn around the toilet and you go, wow, look what I did. We call that a green heart. I wish everyone a green heart day.